3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening
4: to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Check in with our good buddy Chris Haynes, Yahoo Sports, TNT sideline reporter. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, coming up a little bit later on. And Roger Bennett, Men in Blazers, will join us as we talk about Lionel Messi coming to the United States and MLS. Uh, The Joker has 100 points so far in the finals. That's uh, making him the fifth player to score at least 100 points in his first three NBA Finals games. Rick Barry did this in 1967. Allen Iverson in 2001. Willis Reed in 1970. And the Greek Freak in 2021. Let's bring in Chris Haynes, been a busy guy covering the NBA Finals for Bleacher Report and TNT Sideline Reporter. If I didn't watch the game last night, Chris, how would you describe it?
5: You know what, DP? Actually, I was a little bit surprised by the turnout of the fan base of the Miami Heat. They're not known to be some of the most passionate on-time fans, and so I, I was interested in seeing how they were going to show up. And they actually showed up for the first quarter. They were there in their seats <laughs> for, uh, for, the, for the for tip, so they were they were punctual. Uh, it, it didn't, you know, it it didn't help. Wait, <laughs> that doesn't
4: sound like the Sacramento Kings of the early 2000s when it comes to a home court advantage. Hey, how was the crowd last night? You know, they were punctual.
5: Yeah, they were punctual. <laughs> and DP, one thing, one thing, DP, that I discovered in attending a Miami Heat game, they have an actual club in the arena like, there's an actual club where I'm talking about VIP tables, DJ, the whole club atmosphere. They have it in the arena. And I remember I ventured over there one time, and it was a bunch of NBA players who had their VIP booths, had their crew, their people with them, <laughs> getting bottle service. So I'm like, this is why fans don't show up really for games. This this is why. They're here clubbing. It's is unlike any other place.
4: That's part of the heat culture, right? (laughs) I keep, I keep being told I'm force fed heat culture. I don't know what the culture was last night other than how about somebody stop the Joker and Jamal Murray? We shouldn't be surprised with what we're seeing. I was a little more surprised with Jamal Murray. It felt like he knew, he knew he needed to step up a little bit more and he certainly did. But I'm curious about Jimmy Butler. We haven't had that, you know, Jimmy Buckets here. It hadn't been a great performance so far in the NBA Finals. There's something going on that we don't know about?
5: I don't think so, DP. I think, you know, and I am give credit to you about Jamal Murray and feeling like he had to step up, you know, going into that game three. That was a talk in the locker room. And When I was talking to guys, they were telling me Jamal Murray is like kind of salivating off of the opportunity to go out there, And play well, not just play well because the NBA finals, but because Jimmy Butler has switched on to him now. And so, game two, everybody felt like maybe Jimmy was going to neutralize Jamal, and that simply wasn't the case. He was still able to get his shot off cleanly and with rhythm. But now you talk about Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he hasn't had those big breakout games that we've seen him have in previous rounds. I don't know if it's defensively what the Nuggets are doing. They're switching everything. You know, Jimmy is getting the switches that he wants. You know, Aaron Gordon will start off on him. Then he'll get that screen to get Jamal Murray on him. And then he's getting the shots. And, you know, a lot of teams talk about the Denver Nuggets like they don't have rim protection. And so you would think that it would be a little bit more easier to get to the basket. But that just hasn't been the case. I mean, Denver Nuggets are a really good defensively sound team. And that's why they're comfortable switching from one uh, one to four. Uh, Jimmy just hasn't been able to get off. I haven't heard any intel as far as if he's you know, dealing with anything, but he's getting his shots. There. He's getting his shots off. They're just not falling with the consistency that we've seen in the previous rounds.
4: I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and I shouldn't do this, but if Joker wins the title, let's say he's finals MVP, now all of a sudden we're going to start with the conversation about him compared to other great centers. So it he goes into a new category. He's going to go into a category maybe with Akeem and David Robinson and Patrick Ewing where, you know, he's not Shaq, but, but you know, two MVPs winning a championship, and he's having one of the greatest finals, postseason performances in history. Do you think it'll be fair if if they win that all of a sudden now we start a different conversation with him?
5: No, for sure. I definitely think he's worthy of that. I mean, two MVPs already. I mean, the guy is unstoppable. There's nobody that can stop him. You know, he he doesn't get rattled. You're not going to speed him up because I'm, I don't think he can be speeded up. but, <laughs> <laughs> so, but he, He's just unstoppable. I mean, and just the awkward shots that he takes. And when he takes it, you know, guys feel like, yeah, I forced him into a bad shot. But no, like his shots are just ugly. He's comfortable taking that. That's one thing Anthony Davis told me in, in last round. You know, a lot of shots he would shoot with the – clock expiring he just get it off in back of his head and they feel like that's a good shot no i mean feel like that's a bad shot well it's a good shot for him and so no i i definitely think he's worthy to be in that category of some of the big uh the best big men we've seen in this league and you know footwork you know i don't think he gets enough credit for the footwork his footwork is probably on par with hakeem olajuwon and i I think had the best footwork um as a big man that we've ever seen Joker is right there, and then just what he can just get his shot off without using much athleticism, and you know he's one of the most talented guys we've seen in this league. So no doubt, I think he's deservingly so should be in that category if if he is to win a championship.
4: Chris Haynes, TNT sideline reporter, Bleacher Report NBA insider. Yesterday, you had uh, a report on Chris Paul's future. Now, has he been released, or is he? potentially going to be released? Because I wasn't quite sure exactly what what the headline was.
5: Yeah, so Chris Paulin's represent, representation were, were contacted yesterday, and I received word that um, they were informed that the Suns intend to waive him before his salary is guaranteed. Now, the Suns want to – uh, put out that basically there are still options. There are still other things that they're considering. Uh, a trade is a possibility if they can trade him before that June 28th deadline. But Chris Paul and his representation were under the impression um, after that phone call that um, he was being waived, which would make him one of the top free agents this summer. And, um, you know, that's something he he's looking forward to. I can tell you he's looking forward to seeing – What's next in store for him? I was told he plans to play for several more years, believes he can still do this at a high level. And I think the the stats will still dictate that. And, uh, you know, he just wants to um, get this situation resolved and get it finalized so he can try to figure out the next steps.
4: All right. I know going back to Los Angeles, more likely that the Clippers would welcome him or the Lakers would welcome him if you were choosing between those two.
5: Yeah. If you're choosing between those two, obviously it's still pretty early right now. Um, we haven't got to that stage yet, but just if I'm just looking at the rosters, I think the Clippers are going to really consider re-signing Russell Westbrook, so it probably okay. wouldn't make much sense over there. Um, the Lakers, you know, they, they, they acquired D'Angelo Russell in the um, midseason. That didn't work out really well, so it's unknown what they're going to do with him. But I think if, if you're if you're uh, minimizing it just to those two teams, it probably make more sense with the Lakers.
4: I know that uh, you've reported on Damian Lillard and what could happen. They have the number three pick in the draft, and you know this is Portland at a crossroads. Are you going to go young and invest in the younger players? You got two weeks to decide this. Is Dame Lillard traded before NBA draft night?
5: You know, I, I speak with Dame pretty frequently um, about basketball, about life in general. But you know, we 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 talk about. He would agree that this is kind of like a, a crossroads situation right here. The Portland Trailblazers have the number three pick. Damian Lillard wants to win. He wants to win now. He wants to compete for a, a title. I don't think he believes that um taking that pick and keeping it is going to do them any service in the now so i think you know what the portland trailblazers decide to do with that pick will dictate well, let's say lillard. they
4: take scoot henderson if you're dame lillard
5: do you want to stay if i'm if i'm dame lillard based off of what he said if they take if they keep that pick whether it's Scoot or anybody else, yeah. if they keep a pick. I think a serious conversation will be had about potentially parting ways.
4: All right. Who do you trade him to?
5: I think if he is traded, it'll be in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Dame went on went on record, and I I, know. You know, I, <laughs> I, I spoke to him yesterday. I said, Hey, you could you couldn't save that for your boy. Like, you you couldn't say that for your boy? He he could have given you a scoop there. Yeah. No, he said, the way he told me yesterday, he was like they put him on a spot where they said they eliminated other teams. He said, so he said that clip was not being played. They actually eliminated. You can't say this team, you can't say this team, but between these three (laughs) or four teams, which teams make sense? He said so that's how he answered it. And he said that part was actually Oh, he up. doesn't fold
4: under pressure. <laughs> not not on the court. Now all of a sudden they're saying, All right, you gotta choose between these teams. Um right, okay. Yeah. He could say, I'm with the Blazers. I'm with right. the Blazers.
5: He could have, but I think I think that shared like on- I, I could
4: see the Nets. I I, I could because he could be what? the star there. Although I mean, I don't know how that front office is, the ownership. It's dysfunctional, but by comparison to the Knicks, you know, we're always talking about the Knicks being dysfunctional. I know Miami Heat, he, you know, he's friends with Bam bio but I where let's say I'll make you GM. Where are you sending him to? If you have to.
5: If I have to, I would think if it gets to that point, they would consult with Dane because you know Dane's been there ten years. Been a model citizen, represented that city and that organization with class all throughout. I think they will try to get him where he wants to go in the East. That is, I do not see and envision, and uh, I do not envision a possibility that he he would be traded to a Western Conference team. What if if we did this
4: though, Chris? What if I'm the Boston Celtics, and I.
5: Sign, no, no. He's not, he's not doing Boston. Not, <laughs> he
4: doesn't want any part of Boston. <laughs> <It's> not, no. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I big okay, big. so you, you can confidently report that, that Dame
5: would not <laughs> want to
4: go to Boston. Is that what you're
5: saying? Okay. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs>
4: <right>. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Jalen Brown and maybe something to uh, Portland, and then you get Dame Leonard. But, all right, Nets, Heat, Anybody else that will be on that list do you think that he would want to go to? And will he dictate where he wants to go or does Portland dictate if it comes to that?
5: I think he will have a large part. I think they respect him enough for what he's done for that organization. To send him yeah. Place. yeah okay. that he. Would. But Knicks, he, I mean, he mentioned it. He mentioned it on air. Nets, Miami, and possibly, I don't think, Poss- I don't know, Philly, <laughs> but they, they don't have what it takes. So I, I'll leave it at the Nets in Miami.
4: All right. Uh, how many games does this series go?
5: You know what, DP? <laughs> I was hoping to see a really good series. Um, Denver Nuggets are just too talented. It, it it takes an awful lot for the Miami Heat to, to stream together wins. They play with – Talent wise, they just—they're they, just not on par with the Nuggets. But they play so hard and they stay in it. They're well coached. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets close it out in five. Whoa, okay, gentlemen sweep there. All right, All right. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised.
4: All right, hey, great to talk to you as always.
5: Anytime, DP. Take thank care. you,
4: thank you. That's uh, Chris Haynes, uh, TNC sideline reporter, Bleacher Report, NBA Insider, and you know he's always on the phone. Probably on the phone to Chris Paul this morning. Probably on the phone with Dame Lillard later on today. I like that. I like that. Guys who break the news, do all the uh, legwork there, good dude. Uh, Sean in Wyoming. Hey, Sean, what's on your mind today?
6: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Six foot, 185. So, uh, I'm a born and raised Suns fan. I was watching Steve Nash play a long time ago and Chris Paul got us somewhere where he couldn't go, but I don't really want him back unless he's willing to take maybe a vet minimum, and I hate this word, but I think he should load-manage because mm. while other players like Kawhi and Paul George, they load-manage throughout the year, and then they can't play in the playoffs, Chris Paul plays 72, 75 games a year, and then he can never make it through the playoffs.
4: Yeah, it's a good point, but I, it feels like the Phoenix Suns are heading in a different direction with Frank Vogel as the head coach there, and you know DeAndre Ayton. You got to, although Frank Vogel has talked about him and, and, you know, he says, I think he can be a really good center. You got to play defense for Frank Vogel. DeAndre Ayton has the talent, but there are times when it feels like he's checked out. Yes, Seaton? Maybe I misheard, but was that a good point? What was the good point? Oh, that you don't want Chris Paul back? Well, I mean, the examples he gave are
3: players who load manage through the whole season and then can't make it through the playoffs because they still get hurt. And then Chris Paul doesn't load manage and still can't make it through the playoffs. It's like both examples, neither, neither can make it through the playoffs.
4: Well, I would have to limit him. I don't know if you can have him play as many minutes as he does. But, you know, can Cameron Payne be a legitimate guy that you can go to more often there? And what's Chris going to cost? Chris is going to cost you $30 million. Mm. That's why they're waving him. Uh, but can you trade him and get something for him? Or do you bring him back for $3 million? And I'm, I know I'm in the weeds here with the money, but it does come down to money, salary cap-wise. And Chris is 38. He may want to play for a couple more years, but I don't know if you're playing a couple more years as a starter. Let me take a break. More uh, phone calls coming up. The commissioner of the NBA next hour. And, yes, we will talk about John Morant. And uh, does the punishment now get less I guess, intense or uh, deeper, Uh, is it going to be a longer punishment, even though now there's a report that he had a toy gun instead of a real gun. So we'll talk to the commissioner. Maybe we're just dealing with semantics here, but uh, we'll talk to him coming up next hour. And Roger Bennett, final hour, we'll talk about uh, Messi coming to Miami and what that means for soccer around the world. We'll take a break. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern, six to nine Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season.
3: Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Early Game 4 odds. The Nuggets are three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Miami Heat. We bring in the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver. Adam Silver. Last time you are on, I thought we solved a lot of problems with the NBA. I still have some things that maybe we could solve, but we'll talk about those uh, coming up. We had Jeff Van Gundy on yesterday. He said, let's do away with halftime, uh, offensive goaltending, and maybe free throws. Do you want to respond to any of those things that Jeff Van Gundy, one of your voices of your sport?
7: I actually listened to that interview with, with Jeff, and I, I think even he acknowledged he was having fun. Um, you know, it's interesting on halftime when we've looked to shorten it a bit because we, I think, you know, we changed the format of the last two minutes a couple of years ago to speed the game along. And I think we forget sometimes that the guys really do need the break. I mean, put aside the programming at halftime, the commercials, but it, it maybe you could shorten it slightly, but I think it is meaningful to the players in addition to the coaching that goes on at halftime, the opportunity to get a breather. You know, it's by the way, I remember, you know, Rod Thornwell. Rod, who used to work at the league office with me, telling me that when he was a player, that was an opportunity to have a smoke and a cup of coffee.
4: <laughs> what do you think about offensive goaltending that we do away with? Once it's on the rim, it's it's European style.
7: Right, the FIBA rule. That's what we do in the Olympics and in the, the Basketball World Cup. I, I think it's an it's an exciting play. You know we've looked at it we've experimented with it um you know in fact we have a competition committee meeting this afternoon and uh it's, it's come up over time it i think around some of the uh, olympics it's been a, there's been a more serious conversation about it but for whatever reason people haven't been talking about it a lot lately
4: what about the All-Star game? Uh, you talked about this yesterday. Maybe the international stars against the American stars. Is is that uh, something that could happen as early as next year?
7: It, 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 not as early as next year. We're going to be in Indianapolis. One of the things we're looking at for next year is returning to the East First West format, the more traditional format. I mean, we definitely need to do something. I mean, to, to spruce it up a bit. It's, uh, you know, I think all the leagues have dealt – with issues around All-Star. I know when, when I was a kid, when you turn in t- to an All-Star game, it was an opportunity to see players you never otherwise saw, you know, and you literally to see them next to each other in their uniforms because I grew up in New York. You you know, I was a big baseball fan. You just didn't see players that often, you know, from, from other teams. I think now with league pass digital media, they're so familiar to players that, um, it's, there's just something lacking and I think we need to find a way to create some real competition. And again, an idea that's come up in the past doing, you know, the Ryder cup style, except not just us versus Europe, us versus the world. And one of the reasons we hadn't done that historically was there's an imbalance because even as the number of international players grow, it's still far less than than half. But I think to me, as, as we look to make it more engaging for fans, that shouldn't be the sole reason we don't do it. I think we could, add additional All-Stars. There's something we could do. If, if, and, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today because, again, we, we do need to do something to make it more interesting.
4: I was wondering about this. I brought it up with Jeff Van Gundy where we see flopping. And what if it was called and the punishment was you got the letter F on your jersey? And, and you you know, it's like the scarlet letter, and the scarlet letter is F for flopping, like a Buckeye for Ohio State football.
7: Yeah, you know, that the issue, one of the, uh, the serious things we're discussing is possibly adding a technical for flopping, which they do in international basketball. College added a, a, a flopping technical just this past season. Of course, the issue, one of the reasons we haven't done it historically is because by definition, they're fooling the referees. And we had an after-the-game remedy, which was a fine. But frankly, if you're successful in fooling the referees, A relatively small fine isn't going to make a difference. You may even be celebrated for having done it. So I I think we do need, putting aside the scarlet letter, I'm in favor of adding a technical because even though it'll be a difficult call, there is replay on certain places. You might catch it after the fact. And I think there has to be a a greater disincentive for doing it, it. And there has to be a competitive risk to flopping.
4: As the commissioner, how much influence do you have over your TV partners, You know, you got the Joker who now people are seeing they're almost forced to see him because he's in the NBA finals. But to market some of these players, you know, Joker's a hard guy to market. He's not a highlight guy. But what influence can you have over the TV partners of let's can we focus in on some of these other players that maybe, you know, the rest of the country doesn't focus on?
7: You know how quickly you forget when you were at Sports Center calls from me when I was running NBA <laughs> Entertainment. To say, Why aren't you running more highlights or fill in the blanks? So, I, so we've, we have some influence. It's interesting. I mean, to the, the networks, I mean, they do focus on the teams and players that they think are going to be most popular. Um, in fairness to them, the Joker hasn't been in the finals before. Of course, he's a two-time MVP. But we're seeing now, I think I, I read the other day he went from the 18th most popular player on social media to the number one player on social media over the last two weeks. So fans are responding. The networks will respond. I, I mean, I, I've been at the, the the first three finals games. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, you know, display of basketball. I know, you know, you're a former player, a huge fan, you know, and I, and I think the country is warming up to it. I mean, the team style that, that they play, Miami too, for that matter. I mean, this is just from a, from a basketball aficionado standpoint, I mean, this is, this is really, you know, basketball playing at its highest level. And I think, and, and the, by the way, we're seeing it in the ratings. I think, you know, going in the projections were that we were going to be down almost 25% from Boston and San Francisco. And of course that hasn't been the case. In fact, you know, probably after last night, we're going to be up a little bit, which is says a lot about the league that you have two mid mid-sized markets. Of course, You know, a popular team in Miami, um, a a Nuggets team that has never been in the finals, and and the fans are responding by watching.
4: Yeah, they're two likable teams. We're talking to the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. What was your reaction to the uh, Live Tour PGA Tour news?
7: You know, I I don't know enough about what really went on there on the inside. I guess I'm not so surprised given that there was a lawsuit ongoing lawsuit and investigation and the fact that they were, I think hurting the golfers at the end of the day. I mean, they were turning golfers against each other. Again, this is just me from a fan's perspective and a fan of, of the sport. I would all say that I, it, golf just like basketball is extremely global. Um, there's, there's interest around the world. I think that, you know, I was listening to some of the prior comments on your show, and I, I hear what people are saying about Saudi Arabia. On the other hand, and this is for you know good and bad, that when the Saudis invest in sports, it gets outsized attention. Now I don't want to complain about that because we want to get outsized attention. On the other hand, somebody could go down the list. There they are investors in some of our largest American corporations. Um, some of the most well-known brands have investments from them. And I also think it's a it's a two-edged sword. I. I I hear the comments about sport washing. On the other hand, um, you're talking about it, others are talking about it. It's not as if some errant golfer can say one thing about his reaction to Saudi Arabia investing in golf and that's left at that. I think people are pretty sophisticated And the same way um, the World Cup, the Football World Cup, Soccer World Cup brought enormous attention to Qatar I think people learn about these countries, learn about what's happening in the world in, other, in ways they otherwise wouldn't. So I think the media does its job. Um, but, but at the end of the day, I also think, and now talking specifically about the NBA, where we're such a global sport, I, it, I think people are a little too dismissive these days about the benefits that come from the commonality around sports, that with a sport like basketball, our, our finals are distributed virtually everywhere. In the world, the sport is played everywhere in the world. It's an opportunity to bring people together. I mean, look at—we're talking about you know Jokic from you know a uh, Serbia. You know, we we have over twenty-five percent of our players now were born outside of the United States. I, I just think that there, it's it's the media does its job. But are, um, have,
4: has can, South have the Saudis looked to invest or buy an NBA team? No. What would not you... that I'm aware of.
7: I mean, they that, that, they certainly haven't come to the league office. And under our rules, um, you, an individual can only buy an NBA team right now. You can um, a fund, and that's what's happening here. It's okay. a, it's it's a, it's, a, it's called a sovereign wealth fund that's investing in the in the PGA tour. But we allow funds to invest in teams, but not control teams, not to have influence over teams. So to to to, to own an NBA team there has to be an individual with a certain percent of the team
4: to control it. Is the John ja Morant investigation over? We're just waiting for the finals to be over to announce the decision.
7: The latter, we are waiting for the finals to be over. Um, I'm aware of course, of these reports on social media about, you know, whether the gun was in fact a gun. Uh, and so we haven't completely wrapped it up. Does that we, matter, honest-
4: commissioner, if that's a toy gun?
7: You know, it's, it's interesting. It, it's The very issue is for Jaws. certainly in the first incident, was treating a gun as a toy. That's what we're talking about. And that's what I think the danger is to society, taking a gun, live streaming it, you know, without getting into gun issues in terms of the propriety of owning guns and the use of guns. I think everyone agrees that gun safety is critically important and that guns aren't toys. So it's... It, it's something that I'm thinking a lot about because, again, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the investigation. But in fact, if you are live streaming something that to the world looks exactly like a gun and and in, in a frankly reckless manner, should it matter whether or not it's a real gun? I mean, I you know, I, I will say at the end of the day, I, in terms of doing my job, everything that's presented to us is relevant. Past conduct is relevant. Um, the, the circumstances in which you're you're doing whatever the act is becomes relevant and in this case you know obviously we're we're going to take into account whatever's presented to us
4: when we heard from you after what happened with jaw this second time around it's almost like there was disappointment like you were let down by jaw miranda is that a fair assessment
7: it, it is I, and and Joe Dumars, who now runs basketball operations to the league, and I have talked a lot about it because we were both in the meeting with him. Um, the head of the players' association, Tamika Tramaglio, was in the meeting with us. And just honestly, my sense was he was very sincere in how contrite he was, in how serious he was taking the issue. Again, now talking about the first incident where there's no fact in dispute. He was holding a gun, you know, inebriated. In a club, waving it, live streaming it. So that, no, that's the, that's the the first go round. And I, I know Ja a bit. I I had known him. He's a star in our league. And sense was he came in, he fully owned it, was saying, I made a terrible mistake. I'm learned from the mistake. And so then to get the report and then to see online that in fact, he was then live streaming a gun certainly looks like a gun, a Glock, you know, in in a kind of reckless manner. Sure. You know, I was incredibly disappointed.
4: What would be a big suspension?
7: I'm not going to get into precise number of games, but um, I I will only say in response to people who say eight wasn't enough the first time around, it felt like a pretty severe punishment at the time. And an eight game, Uh, Suspension, of course, without pay. Um, And so I I will say, you know, and and I said this before, in terms of impacting his behavior with 12 games have made a difference the first time, 15 games, I really don't know. I also, the older I get, I, I realize that I can't control other people and that he has to own his own conduct. And regardless of the number of games he had been suspended for first time around, he owns this, not me. And he has to take responsibility for it. And part of this, you know, it's, it's fine for somebody to come in and take response, responsibility for their action. And I'll even give him the benefit of the doubt that he was sincere. He's now made this mistake again. And I think one of the things we even talked about then is nobody's naive in the league office, certainly not Joe Dumars, been at this a long time was, you know, we'll see You're as you go back out into the world, how you choose to comport yourself. And and so now here we are again, um, dealing with an issue around Ja. And I, I also think it's important to point out that it, it, this is not about just discipline and then we'll just cross our fingers and then hope there's not a third time. I recognize that he needs um, some assistance, you know, from the league office, his union, uh, his team, um, he's no doubt he's a remarkable player and 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 I think he's a very engaging young man it's one of the reasons he has this enormous following on social media but it's a two-edged sword and he has to own that and take responsibility for it and my my hope is that wherever we come out in terms of discipline that there's a, a, a an acceptance that we need to find ways to engage with each other going forward to, to so he can change the trajectory he's now on, which is not a positive one.
4: And I wondered about that commissioner that I was worried about him over the summer. Now we've had this second incident. And also if you suspend somebody for 20 or 30 or 40 games, what happens to that person when they have all that free time and you could be adding to the the issue with John Moran, not subtracting. Yeah,
7: precisely. And I'm worried about that too. And So again, putting aside the number of games that, um, we may be looking at, I'd like to come up with a program and frankly, working with him, um, in which there is a, a joint sense, a a mutual commitment that, um, we need to put together a program. Um, not something that's, you know, a couple of sessions and I'm back. But, but something that, um, where he will be able to use time away from the game. Look, he's suspended right now. I mean, he's away. He, I mean, it's, it's the off season, but he's suspended from team activities and, and, and there, I want to find a way where, frankly, you know, he's not being kicked to the curb, but basketball will take a back seat. And first and foremost, we're going to focus on him as a young man developing as, as, A better person is someone who's more responsible, particularly when it comes to guns. I mean, this is a really serious issue. All
4: right. Next time you're on, we got to once again. I got to address carrying. Okay, just we we got we have to address this and maybe you could bring it up. Maybe just you and me. We just sit down and we discuss, get get everybody. I don't need a committee. What do you think?
7: We did talk about this last time I was oh, on. I know, I know. I know. It's, it's an issue. It's it's um I hear you. It's it it's a hard call and uh I hear it from fans when I'm in I'm in the stands and next time why don't I come on with Joe Dumars, my our our basketball expert and let's talk about it because I, I you know in, in all seriousness I you know we are the most played team sport in America and so people can relate to it when they watch the game and they and they, you know, whether it's, you know, caring, palming, traveling, whatever it is, people have a sense. And one thing that frustrates me in terms of the rules that, as I said, I got a competition committee meeting this afternoon, that when it's explained to me by the officials and Monty McCutcheon, who who oversees our officiating staff, it quickly becomes very technical. And I think we need to find a way with our rules that they can be presented in a simple way. And, well, everything can't be so bright line, but there's a better sense like, yes, that's traveling or no, it's not. And and and, and that's something I, I think we can we should be able to do a better job. with.
4: Did you just invite me to the committee? I mean, I, unless because it's a yes. If you want me involved in this, I'd be more than happy. The Yes. All right. There you go. That's official. Is there a, like a, a handshake or a jacket or blazer that I wear, an I.D. card, whatever I need to be on that committee? You let me know.
7: I will. I will.
4: By the way, I was so I when
7: I was in Denver the other day, I think, you know, traveling, jumping time zones and things. It was late at night. I was just flipping around the television and I watched Blended.
4: What would you think?
7: I thought it was a pretty good movie. I, You know, I know you've done a bunch of those Adam Sandler movies. I hadn't seen it before. It's a few years old, but uh, I, I enjoyed it.
4: I'm an actor who does sports radio on the side, Commissioner.
7: But you didn't play yourself. You you know, I think in Hustle, you played Dan Patrick. Yes. You didn't in yes. Blended.
4: By the way. I'm an aficionado of your films. I, Thank you. Know, you. That, there was a, Thank you. They, and, and the fact that you call them films and not movies, I, I respect that as well. And you know who carries the ball more than anybody? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Absolutely, Commissioner. A- absolutely. You know what? I'm going to get Sandler to do a PSA for the NBA on an anti-carrying program.
7: Thank you. It could have a double meaning, by the way.
4: Yeah, the John Morant anti carrying. Absolutely. I got it, Commissioner. Hey, uh, I know you got a busy day. Thank you for uh, taking time. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Adam Silver, NBA Commissioner. That's a good appearance by the Commissioner. <laughs>
6: he crushed that <it> last
2: <laughs> one. It was on a T.
6: I didn't think
4: he was going to go there. Uh, I'm like, that was great. Uh, I'm going I'm to throw it out there anti carrying. Anti carrying. All right, let me take a break. We'll come back and uh, decipher what we uh, just talked about. Great appearance by the commissioner. Appreciate that. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's me,
3: Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker
0: on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your right There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for...
3: Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Roger Bennett, founder of Men in Blazers. He'll join us coming up in a couple of minutes here. want to bring back, The uh, Part of the conversation I had with uh, Commissioner Silver on John Morant not having a ruling right now and the report that it was a toy gun in the second video. Is the John Morant investigation over? We're just waiting for the finals to be over to announce the decision?
7: The latter. We are waiting for the finals to be over. Um, I'm aware, of course, of these reports on social media about you know, whether the gun was in fact a gun. Uh, And so we haven't completely wrapped it up.
4: Do we have any more on that? It's The
7: very issue is for Jaws certainly in the first incident, was treating a gun as a toy. That's what we're talking about. And that's what I think the danger is to society, taking a gun, live streaming it, uh, you know, without getting into gun issues in terms of the propriety of owning guns and the use of guns, I think everyone agrees that gun safety is critically important and that guns aren't toys. So it, it's, it, it's something that I'm thinking a lot about because again, I'm not, I'm not gonna get into the specifics of the investigation, but in fact, if you are live streaming something that to the world looks exactly like a gun and, and in, in a frankly reckless manner, should it matter whether or not it's a real gun?
4: So that's the commissioner for from last hour. Uh, it's all pending here. By the way, this program brought to you by the great folks Mercedes-Benz. They say good things come to those who wait. Mercedes-Benz SUV family proves otherwise, takes no time at all. Set up a test drive, your local Mercedes-Benz dealer. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Jesse in L.A. Hey, Jess, what's on your mind today?
6: Hey, D.P., thank you for taking my call, of course. Um, so I wanted to touch on the great merger, and I hate that it's happening you know, because I think it's sports washing. And I think when the details come out, this is just speculation. But I think what's going to reveal is the PIF. Not not only is not they're not an owner of people or, or or a team; it's an owner of a league. And that interview with Adam Silver, I, I thought you did a great job pressing him because. It sounds like he's prepping for them coming to the NBA. He was talking very nice, like very nice, a great interview. And I do have a conspiracy for you, Dan. Okay. Um, the conspira- the conspiracy, I-, I don't think it's a coincidence that a day after the PGA announcement was made that Messi, who was decided between Saudi Arabia, Barcelona, and Inter-Miami, chooses Inter-Miami. And part of the deal is that he now owns a part of Apple. And Apple is the highest-valued American company, like our most formidable competition in America has to PIF. so conspiracy theory, but, you know, I don't think it's a surprise.
4: All right. Well, thank you, Jesse. Let's bring in Roger Bennett, founder of Men in Blazers, joining us uh, now to uh, the celebration here. Messi is coming to the United States. You said it would never happen, Roger, and it has.
8: Danny P, it was a joy to listen to the commissioner of the NBA who looks like my eldest son. He is so gorgeous. (laughs) To follow him is an absolute delight. And to be here with you on a day which is, for all who love the growth of football in this nation, this beautiful nation, it is incredible. Lionel Messi, it's a bit like if LeBron decided, sod the Lakers, I'm going to go to China, I'm going to play for the Shanghai Sharks, I'm going to do commercial deals all over that great nation – um, that's what Messi's doing by coming here. Conspiracy theorists, I'm sorry he doesn't own Apple. Uh he may play in a provisor. That may be he may play for we'll still score a couple of hat tricks, but he's coming. It's a very creative deal to make him mm-hmm. come. Um and I think for Miami, it's probably the greatest day in that city's history since Don Johnson discovered
4: Teal. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> okay, how does this affect what what does this affect? Who's this affect? Uh, well, America clearly from your
8: last call and now has conspiracy theories about football, which is progress. All right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's immense. Just to be clear, America's had Pele. You probably remember him that, um, Dan, Yeah, Beckham came here. That is this times a thousand. I mean, this is a gentleman, um, who, yes, he's 35, but he's the greatest player of his generation. Um, he's just come off. What was a bit like it, in Greek epic times, there'd be poems written about him. The Argentinian World Cup win in December, he delivered glory to that nation. I think they've just finished the bender uh, of celebration that started um in the wake of that. And Are this is bigger lit- than Pele? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, we're living in a different world. We're living in a wired world. We're living in a interconnected world. You know, Lionel Messi may only be five foot seven, but he is a human billboard that is visible from space we always say the great wall of china is visible from space it's not but Lionel (laughs) messi what he does how he plays what where he gets his carne asada where he walks his giant dog senor hulk all of these make global news the second it occurs and it resounds across the world and for that to happen in mls you know a league that to be candid needed an identity um, you know, the great players were not coming here. They were going to Saudi, Saudi Arabia is offering oil refineries to any great player who wants to go there. <laughs> Lionel Messi's wife did not want, did not fancy bringing up the three kids in an oil refinery. Yeah, go figure. Like, yes. So she's like, nah, how about Miami? We got an apartment there and credit MLS. You know, the young American players, they're all leaving America. They want to play in the best teams. You know, your Policet Cheers, your Gio Rainers, your Tyler Adams. They want to play for the best teams they can in europe so mls needed an identity and credit them they went out and got the biggest face uh in the global game and who will be playing ticket sales have gone up like you know you watch on StubHub how quickly they shot up to from face value x a thousand uh into miami's instagram which was a million this time yesterday i think it's just top five million um stadia will be packed this is going to be the beatles reforming playing Mm. across our nation Mm. and kids in all seriousness dan kids will be able to pay witness um to the greatest footballer who have ever seen. i'm not a religious man but i've watched him play i've watched him play in barcelona watched him play in paris um and it is spiritual watching this tiny human being um who is he's like the dalai
4: lama in cleats where does he rank greatest players of all time
8: Christian Pulisic number one, and probably Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi a clue second. Okay, all right, I respect I mean, I, that. I, 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 he is. I mean, he, this gentleman is diminutive. He looks like he's just wandered out of your local supercuts. Um, but there's a there's a, a great poet in Uruguay, Eduardo Galliano, uh, who sadly died uh, recently. But I interviewed him once, um, and he said, you know, Maradona uh, played as if the ball was stuck to his shoe, to his boot, to his cleat. He said Lionel Messi plays as if that ball is actually inside his sock. And it is incredible um, what he does, but it's not just what he does on the field. It's what he does off it. And Lionel Messi uh, going courtside at the heat, Lionel Messi... You know, going down to high five Patrick Mahomes before a, a Chiefs Dolphins game, you know, Jack Harlow jetting in for every single game that he plays. That's the circus uh, times a million that we're about to see. And when you project that forward commercially with a World Cup coming here in 2026, Mexico, Canada, the United States, those two forces together, Dan, um, all of your fans who are probably tweeting and be like, no, sucker, Dan, what is this? <laughs> Remember, Jack Kemp didn't die so that this football could be considered football. Um, they're going to be ge- genuinely very disappointed. Okay.
4: Is this a greater moment for the United States or a, a, dis- a bigger disappointment for Europe or soccer uh, outside the United States that Messi has come, come here?
8: um god that's an incredible question look the saudi thing is is slightly insane the live golf that you've no doubt talked about
4: at the wazoo what's their end game in saudi arabia with gathering all these soccer players
8: to own the dan patrick show to be all of our bosses dan we're all gonna work now why are they doing it um not to get all geopolitical on your ass for a second um but saudi arabia um you know the gulf it's a we did a whole podcast series about it with crooked media called world corrupt why would qatar this tiny country want the world cup why would fifa give them the world cup those are the two questions we looked at and the reality is um geopolitically saudi arabia is in a complex place it has infinite money um, as a, as a petro state, but it also has a deeply complicated reality. Deeply complicated is doing a lot of work there, Dan. They, they murdered Khashoggi. Um, the bombing of Yemen, the human rights record. Um, that's rationally deeply challenging to a lot of people. However. Sports is not rational. Sports is emotional. When we watch sports, we the Qatar thing, in the run-up to Qatar, everyone was like, oh my God, we must protest. And then Messi run through five players, scored an equipment like, oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> Qatar's amazing. <laughs> and so by linking uh, Formula One, uh, by owning golf, uh, by owning football teams, you know, Saudi Arabia own Newcastle, Qatar owned Paris, Saint Germain, Manchester City are playing the Champions League final on Saturday. They're owned, um, by Abu Dhabi. You can. And if you speak to, uh, the Manchester City human beings, it's quite interesting. They bought Manchester City on the same day as they spent, like, I, th- I can't remember the number something like a hundred times what they spent on Manchester city. They spent on a, um, a tech plant in California to buy, to, to make chips. And what they couldn't believe was the chip plant was a local news story and a tech story, minor, minor. Oh, this, this tech plant sold the Manchester city story was heard all around the world. And when you buy global football, You are buying the greatest platform to communicate, to rebrand. Oh, we're not Saudi Arabia of the Khashoggi bone sores. You see our Newcastle, did you see we've got Messi walking? Here's Saudi Arabia's tourist ambassador, Ronaldo, plays here. And that's ultimately, they want the World Cup. The short answer is they want the 2030 World Cup to be in Saudi Arabia. And the way things are going, what does football like more than anything? Not rationality, not geopolitics.
4: Oh, money. Money. They probably will. Do get we? It. When do we get Ronaldo? Where? Who's we? The Dan Patrick Show? No, 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 a, no. The United States. MLS. Does MLS get Ronaldo?
8: Oh, Danny P. Do you want Ronaldo? Do you want no. a preening show pony? <laughs> that is like a <laughs> bottle of Draco on the come alive in human form. Is have, that what we have need you in this smelled? Season?
4: Have you smelled Ronaldo before?
8: Uh, I have. <laughs> I have to, enough, I'll tell you this, in, in, asking great questions. In 2012, um, I was in Donetsk in Ukraine at an internet, the Euros, the football tournament. Um, and I, my hotel room, I couldn't, you know, what do you hate when you arrive in a city? When you get to the hotel and they're like, sorry, your room's not ready. I was like, so I did the thing you do. What? I my room. I'm, i tell And they're like, sir, the check-in is three o'clock. Well, it's 12.30. I'm very, and finally, I made enough of a fuss that they put me in a room, and it was quite a nice room. Um, and um, what had happened was Portugal had played Spain the night before I'd actually been at the game, and um, they'd lost. And so Portugal flew home, and I walked into that room. I opened the door, and, my Lord, it I, it, it smelled of dracon noir. It took me months to get rid of the stench <laughs> of dracon noir. And I said to the hotel manager who showed me in with a key, I said, Ronaldo stayed here last
4: night.
8: <laughs> didn't he? He, said, he, said, he said yes. How did you know? Um, and I was
4: like, just tuition, maybe. Yeah. Uh, is David Beckham officially an American? David Beckham is an incredible human being, but is he American?
8: Saying, let's claim him. Why is American? I, 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 and
4: I'm saying let's just make him, you know, an official American. He he's saved MLS now twice. L.A. Yeah, which is LA. Amazing,
8: Which is amazing. I said, there are layers to this story. I spoke to the great Ray Hudson yesterday. You, you, if you don't know who he is, um, fans of this show, you've probably heard his clips. He's like the one, the crazy commentator, poet, philosopher, who when Messi scores used to commentate and say things like, he's out of his broken mind. He's got a food mixer down his pants and it's set to beat Stuff like that. So I interviewed him because Ray Hudson played in the NASL. He lives in Fort Lauderdale. I call him like Lionel Messi's dad. Like that, He adores this human. I wanted to get his reaction. And he said Lionel Messi is about to play on the field that Pelé played on in Fort Lauderdale, that Johan Cruyff played on, um, that Beckham. Like there's a lot of history to this. There's a lot of layers. And one of the beautiful stories, I think, is that David Beckham did come over here at a time when MLS was really struggling. You know, there are 13 teams, I think, there's now 29. Um, and it was his arrival that transformed MLS, legitimized it, made many other players think, you know, if Beckham can go there, I will too. Commercially gave the league heft. And the fact that he owns into Miami um, and was a part of the team, um, who negotiated this deeply complex and creative? This was deal. just a
4: simple question, Roger. Should yeah, we, we make biblical. him an American? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's
8: biblical. David Beckham begat Lionel Messi for I mean, America. They're both American now, right, Dan? Isn't
4: that how it works? It'd be—he's a great addition. You're a great that's addition. What? David Faraday, great addition. David Beckham, Rebecca Lowe, great addition. Oh, she is a great addition. Yes, she. she is.
8: Yes, she's she is. a great American. And Dan, um, ultimately. 23rd 2026 World Cup. Let's play Beckham in the middle. Let's have Lionel Messi.
4: Let's
8: have Lionel Messi just, you know, playing. It's, it's, the... it's Lionel. Not, not in America. Not when he's American. They'll oh, his oh name. here they'll it's change... Lionel. Yeah, they'll change his name at Ellis Island. They'll be like, You're Lionel now, son. <laughs> now get in there. Make something of yourself. It's the American way. Lionel, you came here with nothing. You're now Lionel. You, we see a future for you in this nation. God he bless is,
4: him. He is Roger Bennett, Men in Blazers. Great to talk to you.
8: Great to be with you, you beautiful human being. Thank Thanks you. for having me Thank on. Thank you. There. That's Ro-
4: Roger Bennett. Always great to have Roger on. We appreciate his insight. His passion. Yeah. If you guys are going to applaud on that side of the glass, you got to turn your Michael. microphone. Woo! Woo! Yeah! <laughs>
6: yeah. Roger Bennett. All right. Love
4: <laughs> <sighs> We've had a show today. They changed his name at Ellis Island. <laughs> You're Lionel Messi.
2: <laughs> that is great.
1: Make something of yourself. Yeah. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff died back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.